feels really rude. Sorry, Maddie. <laughs> I know Sue gets nervous every time I bring out a whiteboard. So happy new year. Why don't you make sure that everybody on your table has received a happy new year? So if you're listening in on Rima, this is going to be awesome for you. Um, I've just grabbed a whiteboard. I'm going to do my best to tell you what I draw. We'll see how we go. Um, we're, we're actually starting a, a brief summer series this morning. So it's going to go um, throughout January. And it's this series called Lighten Your Load. And what, what I want us to do over this, over this next four weeks, over this next five weeks, is that we, we might be really intentional about identifying those things that we might be carrying, identifying that emotional baggage that we might have been accumulating that's just not going to serve us well in 2023 that we might buy, eyeball those things and, and maybe even figure out some strategies of how we might put those, those things down so that they don't just encumber us into, into another year. These last couple of years have been difficult enough, right? There's no guarantees and no promises that 2023 is going to be any easier. And, and so we want, to, we want to lean on that firm foundation that, that we have. So over the next four weeks, we are going to look at... Fear, shame, I don't know why I looked at you then, Dar. Fear, shame, <laughs> pride and bitterness. Fear, shame, pride and bitterness. It's going to be awesome, isn't it? We're going to look at those things together. Now, they, they are actually all connected ideas and I'm going to show you in a moment how it is that they're, they're all connected. But, but each one of those things is a particular kind of feeling and that feeling is telling us, it's giving us evidence that we're carrying a load. When we feel fear, shame, pride, bitterness, that's evidence that we're carrying something that perhaps we're not meant to carry. So what are you carrying into 2023? What are you carrying? Are you carrying fear? Is there shame? Is there unhealthy pride? Is there bitterness in there somewhere? And how did it get this way? Hi, I'm, I don't need help yet. Um, I'm going I'm to start with a question. Can you read that? Safety. That's what it says. Um, so who, who likes to feel safe? Nearly everybody. So we've all got kind of different tolerances, don't we? Like some of us like a bit of adventure. We actually like it when we're a little bit unsafe. What's it like to feel safe? Yell it out. Tell me. What's it like to feel safe? Comfortable. Comfortable. Peaceful. Secure. Pardon? Secure. Secure. That's a good word. Happy. 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 
It's good, it's good to feel safe. What about when we don't feel safe? What does that feel like? What can it feel like when we don't feel safe? Scary. What else? That's another really interesting word, losing control. What else does it feel like? Exposed. Worried. I'm going to give you another word. Fear. When we don't feel safe, when we have some sense of, of fear, our brains and our bodies don't work properly. We get preoccupied with trying to get back to that place of safety and we, and we lose that ability to be, to be creative or to be productive or to be cooperative. What about this? This is harder for me to write this way. Inclusion. What's it like to feel included? Tell me what that's like. What's it like to feel included? It feels safe when I'm included. What else? Belonging, accepted, valued, significant. So we, we, want, we want to feel included, don't we? It matters to us. Where should we feel included the most? Your family. Your family. What if we don't? What's it like if we don't feel excluded? Included. What if we feel excluded? What does that feel like? Depressing. What else? Lonely. Isolated. You know, there's, there's a word for the fear of being excluded, a word for um, the fear of, of abandonment, as if there's something wrong with me that I can't be included. Do you know what that word is? It's like that. Shame. Shame is like this fear of exclusion, this fear of abandonment, that there's something about me that uh, doesn't deserve to be included. So, so safety and inclusion, it turns out that these things are like these emotional train tracks that every human being runs on. We all need to be safe. Or we all need to have a feeling of safety. We all need to have some feeling of being included. Everyone, everywhere, needs to feel safe to some degree, needs to feel included to some degree, if we are to be happy, if we are to be healthy, if we are to be creative, if we are to be productive, if we are to get along with one another. And if we don't feel included, if we don't feel safe, then we can descend into fear and we can descend into shame. And our, when we feel those things, when we feel that fear, when we feel that shame, that's our bodies telling us that something's not right, that we're at risk somehow. And it turns out that this is actually a good thing. We were made, we were designed to be safe. We were designed to be included. So we were perfectly safe and we were perfectly included right back in the garden. This was God's design, that with him 
and with one another, we would be perfectly safe, that we would be perfectly included in that loving relationship. But this wasn't enough for us though, was it? And you'll remember the story. I think, Noah, we've got that uh, Genesis slide there. Look at this. Genesis 3. We remember the story. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the, from, eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. So here's my question. Can you tell me how the serpent used Adam and Eve's need for safety and inclusion? How did the enemy use those needs to tempt them, to trick them? Start with inclusion. How did the serpent tempt Adam and Eve on the basis of their inclusion? How did he do that? You can be like God. And so the message in there is that you're not. So with that temptation, you can be like God. The inference is you're not like God. And so there's something about God that is not true about you. And so you're not of the same status. You're not, you're not included in some way with God. God is different. God is other. There's another way there too. So the, the enemies had two goes at using inclusion to tempt Adam and Eve. What was the other one? You know stuff that you don't know. You're different to him. What else? You won't die. Yeah. Yeah. We'll eyes, get there. There was a lie in there. He did not, or and and uh, Eve got it wrong too, didn't she? Manipulation. There is manipulation. What the enemy is doing here is saying that they're missing out on something in that, in that garden, that there is fruit in that garden that you can't partake of. It's not for you. And so there's a fairness thing in there too. Well, hang on, what do you mean that that's not, that that's not for me? And so, so the enemy has, had, has, has plucked this string of inclusion saying you can't, seeding this idea that God has said that there's something in the garden that is not for you. You're missing out. It's not fair. And he's also played the chord that says that you're actually not like God. You're not of the same status. You're not on equal terms. You're not included in the same way. And so how then did the serpent tempt Adam and Eve on the basis of their safety? So he said you're not included. How has he tempted them on the basis of their safety? You won't die. I can offer you the inclusion that you desire, that feeling of missing out, that feeling of not being the same status, of not being included in that relationship with God on equal terms. I can give that to you and I can guarantee your safety. You won't die. So isn't it interesting that right there in the garden, 
The enemy is plucking these strings of, of safety and inclusion. You're missing out. But I can make it so that you don't miss out. And I'll also make sure that there's no consequences. A liar from the start. So the enemy tempts Adam and Eve with the idea that they're not fully included and he takes away their safety concerns. And then then what happens? Check this out, a couple of verses on. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. And so they've sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. That'll work. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, that's when the leaves didn't work, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to, them, called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. A brand new set of human feelings never before felt experienced or felt or experienced by Adam and Eve. Fear and shame, and so they hid. They hid from God. And of course, there's a whole lot more to that story, but we know that the result was, was they were removed from that perfect safety, removed from that perfect inclusion within the garden. And now Adam and Eve, and of course, every single person since, we're now responsible for our own safety. We're now responsible for our own Inclusion, And we're even responsible for the safety and for the inclusion of one another. We have gone from security to insecurity. And it's this insecurity that, that gives us all that baggage that we think that we have to carry. All of our fear all of our pride, all of our shame and our bitterness, it all stems from our insecurity, our own insecurity and the insecurity of others as well. Because we've now got to figure out for ourselves how to be safe, how to be included. And what if we can't? Human beings are pretty clever though and so to meet these needs of safety and, and inclusion we will employ a whole bunch of strategies. There's a whole bunch of things that we will do in order to, to maintain that feeling of safety and inclusion. And broadly speaking we're speaking about, about strategies of control and strategies of comparison. To feel safe, as a strategy to feel safe, we will endeavour to control people around me, people around us. We'll try to control our environments. That's all this building is, an attempt to control our environment so that we would feel in control, that we would feel safe. We try to control ourselves. We even try to control God. And we compare. We're always comparing. We're always referencing ourselves to one another, referencing ourselves to make sure that we still feel included, that we still feel included in a way that makes us feel safe. We need a tribe. We need a family. We need that sense of, of belonging. We need that, that notion of being known. And so we're constantly checking our status. We're constantly checking our rank and we're working to keep it. We're competing 
When we don't, when we, when we don't manage to control ourselves or our environment or control one another's, we descend into fear. When we think that we don't compare well, then we descend into shame. But at the opposite end of this, when we're under the delusion that we think that we are the ones who are in control, this is when we come to pride. When I think I'm the one in control, that I'm the one who's in control of my environment, I'm in control of others, or I'm even in control of myself, that's pride. When I think that I compare well, that I'm a higher rank, I'm of a higher status, that I'm somehow better than somebody else, that's pride. And with pride comes strife. There is no safe space on these train tracks of of safety and inclusion. And, And at every step, we feel judged. We judge ourselves. We think that others are judging us. We think that God is is judging us. And we're afraid and we're ashamed of what it is that they might discover to be true. And so there we are. We are insecure. We're using strategies of control and strategies of comparison in an effort to try to feel safe, to try to feel included, to try to feel secure. And we are under judgment and flopping and vacillating between fear and shame and pride. What a weight it is that we can carry. There is, of course, good news. Because we know that that in him, of course, that we are safe. We are included. We are indeed secure. In Jesus, who is the beloved son, in him, you too are the beloved sons. You are the beloved daughters of God. And because Jesus exists within within the perfect safety, within that perfect inclusion of that triune life, so do you. Perfectly safe, perfectly included. It's from that place that from, from in him that Paul can write this in Philippians 4. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has, has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds, because that's where all this stuff comes from, as you live in Christ Jesus. You are secure in the beloved Son. All of life must now be framed from from this truth, that you are the beloved. This is the ultimate truth that defines our existence, that defines our reality. Everything comes from this. You are in the beloved son. You are the beloved. And as the beloved, you are perfectly safe. You are eternally included. And as ones who are, are perfectly safe and included, fear gives way to freedom. 
You are no longer a slave to fear. And shame, this fear of exclusion, gives way to unity, to oneness, to the body. Unity and freedom, you might remember, these are the two wings of shalom, of peace. And instead of judgment, mercy triumphs at every step. This is your reality. Not insecure, but secure. You are the beloved of God. This is the ultimate truth. And are you going to have trouble in this world? Are you going to have trouble in 2023? Yes. Jesus did not walk the earth living a life marked by safety or inclusion, and so we can't expect to either. He had trouble in this world, but fear not. He has overcome the world. His destiny was never at risk, and neither is yours. No matter what troubles we face, our our everlasting safety, our eternal inclusion is not at risk, never will be, because we are the beloved of God in Christ. And so this month we're going to explore each of these. We're going to explore fear and shame and pride. We're going to have a chance to eyeball each of those in our own lives and identify their source. And it's going to be a matter of safety and inclusion. We're also going to look at bitterness because whenever any one of these, whenever fear or shame or pride, whenever any one of those takes root in our heart, then bitterness and anger can be the result. So one by one, we're going to confront the baggage of our own insecurity. We're going to expose that to ultimate truth that we are the beloved. And by his boundless mercy, we are eternally safe. We are perfectly included. And we are free. And we are one. I'm going to ask Mike if you might lead us in a time of communion where we would celebrate together this oneness that we have in him. Is that okay? Does that make sense? Sorry, Rima, folks. I've drawn an excellent picture. Much safer than the last one I drew. Thanks, Mike.